We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. But for those people who are, you know, champing, by the way, which is... No, what? chomping. It's chomping. It's, it's champing. It's, it's chomping. Sports Talk Saturday. The other day when I said chomping on the bit of Twitter, I got 20 people. It's, it's the, champing. It's the internet. You know you can't trust it's that. It's champing. On WGR. Champing. Sports Radio 550. As Derek, you know, when he was doing the show regularly found out, don't mess with me. I'm always right. It is 100% champing at the bit. I have... Listen, it's a crusade that I am strong enough and man enough to to take on, and um, I've had to I've had to correct adults older than me uh, that it is champing at the bit, and people don't want to believe me. And then there's this little thing called Google that uh, would confirm all of your doubts. Um, but good morning, and before all of your doubts, you know, leads you to turning off the station because you just don't want to listen to me uh don't do it because i've got a great lineup here today for you and welcome back to sports talk saturday which has been on a um two-week hiatus due to um you know the weird terrible scheduling of the holidays this year christmas on friday new year's eve on friday that means christmas day saturday new year's day saturday uh and therefore i was not here um so i am back today we have lots of football talk uh, for you all day today. Uh, coming up at 11.30 from Fansided, my man Matt Verderan is going to join me. We're going to talk some Kansas City Chiefs and some AFC football. And uh, at noon, uh, a good friend of mine, Elena Getzenberg, is going to join us. She uh, covers ES. She covers the Bills for ESPN. And uh, she'll join us at noon and, and talk a little bit more about the game Sunday and, and kind of the outlook going into the playoffs as well. So uh, Elena will join us at noon, twelve thirty, Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report, one of my uh, my very favorites. He uh, big Jets fan. We will chat about the Jets' twenty twenty two outlook. Twenty twenty one is the twenty twenty one season for them is effectively over. They missed the playoffs, but they did some decent things. So we'll talk to Connor coming up here in a little while at twelve thirty, and then at one o'clock, Tyler Dragon of Yahoo will uh, and USA Today, I should say. Joins us at one o'clock. We'll get a uh, a broader picture and a broader stroke of uh, of what's going on across the league, NFC, AFC playoff pictures, who Tyler likes and uh, who he doesn't like going into uh, next week's wild card round. So welcome in everybody to Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Nate Geary, and uh, I've got a lot happening for you. And today, the other thing that, uh, if, in case you were you know living under a rock, New York State mobile sports betting. 
officially, as of 8 a.m. this morning, you can bet on sports legally in the state of New York. Congratulations, people. Uh, it is a great day for sports bettors out there. I, 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 In doing this segment, I did want to simply reach out, cross the room, and let everybody know who's you know, excited about this and is looking to take advantage of the deals that a lot of the main sports books that are currently available. Not every sports book, by the way, is available in New York State as of right now. I can tell you for sure, FanDuel Sportsbook, that's the one that I kind of linked up on uh, this afternoon, or I'm sorry, this morning. Um, Caesar Sportsbook's available. Um, you know, Bet River is available here in New York State. So those are a couple of the top ones that you'll want to look at. There's a lot of good deals right now. Uh, if you listened earlier in the week to Chopin Bulldog, they had Joel Ostrowski on on Thursday, and Joe talked a lot about what these sports books are essentially doing, and they're giving away lots and lots of money for you know people like you and me who you know have never <laughs> bet mobily before outside of you know whatever sketchy situation you've got going on with local bookies, but that's beyond the point. Um, a lot of these sports books are giving away a decent amount of money. I know FanDuel's, I think, giving away a hundred bucks uh, and matching your first one hundred dollar bet when you sign up. If you've got uh, buddies that you know we're going to be in on this, go sign up at FanDuel and then do the refer a friend program, and you'll get fifty dollars towards your next bet. And this, I know, this is a stupid question, but my buddy asked it, so I will address it for everybody. Uh, I believe Caesar Sportsbook is offering a $300 uh, deposit match on your first deposit with Caesar Sportsbook. That does not mean you can withdraw the $300 they are giving you. You have to bet that. Whatever you win off of that $300 wager, you are more than welcome to withdraw from your account. But that doesn't they're not giving you $300 to join the platform and then withdraw that without betting. That's not uh that's not how this works. I assume all of you know that, but my buddy, who's a smart guy, asked the question in my group chat. So therefore, I've got to think other smart people don't know that that's the situation. So I figured I'd um I'd give you some advice on that. So, sports betting, it's here. Uh I, you know, I don't I guess part of you Feel free to give us a call if you've got a thought on this. I've got an open segment here from 11 to 11.30. We'll talk a little bit about this and and maybe some Bill stuff and maybe some Sabre stuff as well. I And, and Zach, if you do, up in the computer somewhere, just because I'm going to want to get to it at some point this segment, if you have the quote from Don Granado about Rasmus Dahlien from the other night, I would love to play that live if people haven't heard it. Um, I know the other night on Wednesday when they played, it was sort of right in the middle of that snowstorm. It wasn't great. The arena was empty. They go down three goals early in the first period, but then they fight back. They lose three to two. Um, but within the that game and after that game, um, I was probably the most animated I had heard Don Grenell. So I do want to get to that at some point, but I do want to kind of pivot back to some of the sports betting talk because I think it's really interesting um, where people are. Um, I, and, and really what I'm trying to, trying to tell you is just be careful and read the fine print because as Joe Ostrowski mentioned the other day on Chopin Bulldog when he uh, he had his weekly segment with uh, with Mike and Chris, one of the things he sort of mentioned is, yes, of course, these sports books are willing to give you money to get on their platform because they know that once you're on there, that $300 that they give you for free or that $100 they give you for free, um, <clears throat> a lot of that they realize they're going to get back. You know, you're not going to bet, you're not going to take their $300 or their $100 deposit match, bet it, and never go back in there again. Uh, I mean, some of you may, 
But I would think the majority of you, you know, will use it and try to create a nice little book of business for yourself. So something to think about when you're trying to join these sports book apps and just make sure you're reading the fine print. And and listen, you know, I, it's well known. I'm not a big Clay Travis fan, but like there's a good example of this morning. He tweets out, you know, his link to his page and get a free thousand dollars. That is not the case. You're not getting a free thousand dollars. They will match you up to one thousand dollars on your first deposit. It's a big difference. You're not going to go in there and sign up and get a free thousand dollars. So don't think you're going to do that. They will match what you deposit on your first deposit based on you signing up for their platform, which is a fair thing, and it's a smart thing for these sports books. Create a little loyalty. Get yourself, get these people used to the platforms, using the platforms. I myself, you know, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed using FanDuel for Daily Fantasy, so it was an easy transition for me to download the sports book, which I already had downloaded um, on my phone, sort of in anticipation of this day happening. Um, I've been playing on several other platforms as well. I, I Over the last, I would say, two months, I switched almost exclusively away from playing Daily Fantasy to play Underdog. And, Zach, have you ever heard of Underdog uh, Fantasy? I fully use it. Uh, it is as about as addicting of a platform as possible. So it's the first real way to parlay, right? And now you can't parlay, um, you know, it was pretty restrictive in what it would let you parlay. It was mostly player props, but it was fun as hell. And you you mentioned you almost exclusively using that, Zach. I, a couple of weeks ago, decided, like, I like Daily Fantasy. The very first Daily Fantasy lineup I played, Zach, ever. Couple years, this would have been, shoot, when it became legal. Seven years ago? Six years ago? Whenever it was my first bet on, on FanDuel. I won $600. Very first lineup. That's how they get you. I've been chasing it ever since. I've won 50. I've won 75 here and there. I've won 25. I've won my money back. But DFS has went from where it started to now where I think it's a lot more nuanced. You are going up against guys that this is what they do. They're going to establish the run and listening to Adam Leviton for, you know, 12 hours a week and then applying a lot of the principles they're hearing on these podcasts or with these, you know, sports books that are providing lots of research opportunities for you. This is, you know, kind of the conversation around where sports betting has gone over, I would say, what, last... 24 months, sports betting has become a cultural shift for everybody around the country um, where betting was sort of viewed as the thing that your degenerate cousin did to now on Sports Center, you flip it on and hey, the preview of tonight's Charger, uh, tonight's uh, Chiefs Broncos games. Oh, here's the best pick sixes. Here's our, here's the two anchors, three favorite picks. From this game, and oh, you want to go with the under 45 in this game, and here's why. Look at the look, take a look at the numbers. And there has been a true pivot. Now we've got, you know, at our station, our sister station, the Bet 1520 has almost turned into an, an exclusive. Um, you, you'll love that. Yeah, I, I, I guess maybe the the system heard me preview the Bet 1520 and immediately wanted to get a promo in there. I don't know, was that what that was about, Zach? But, anyways, um, what ultimately I'm talking about is sort of the cultural shift that we've seen in accepting and the acceptance of sports betting. Um, because A, it's fun, but B, it's more widely available than ever before. Next year at Sabres games, heck, I mean, technically today, 
at Sabres games, they've got a sports book there. You could go place bets on that game, on any other game, and it's a nice little area um, of the arena. Of course, you could go across the street to the Buffalo Creek Casino and go place some bets at their sports book now that will be open. So it is more readily available to people than ever before, and on top of it being readily available, the prop side of this is where it feels like a more common person can come in, apply some common sense, apply their knowledge of a sport, a team, a game, to make some money. And I think the prop side of things is the most exciting part about this sports betting because underdog, as, as, as Zach and I were kind of alluding to, it was really based on player props and maybe you could throw an over-under on, you know, what Patrick Mahomes' yardage would be. And maybe the over-under would be 265 yards, and you know you pick the under and you stack five picks. But you could only stack up to five picks in underdog. So if you want to stack a five-player a five prop bet parlay um, and, and throw five bucks on it, you know you could win 20 times the amount. You could, you could win 100 bucks on a $5 prop bet. Um, so that's fun. That's fun to do. Um, and it gets people like me who have always wanted to do prop bets and wanted to do parlays, and it gets me spending money on it. And I have been over the last couple of weeks. And I've won you know, my money back or I've won some money on underdog to apply to some more. The thing that the sportsbook and online sportsbooks now are going to be able to offer is far more intuitive, far more options for your parlays. And that's the thing for me that's been most exciting is this morning, the first thing I did on FanDuel was create a 17 parlay, threw down $15, and I think my odds are plus 900 and something, and I could end up on a $15 7 prop bet parlay. Be looking at about a $1,400 $1, uh, payout. Now, am I going to hit my first parlay? Probably not. It's a pretty extensive parlay. But these games tonight take on more meaning, at least for me. Like, they they take on a little bit more meaning for me. I'm going to watch tonight's game. Now, I would have watched tonight's game regardless of whether or not I had money on it. But now I'm going to watch far more intuitively. I'm going to be into the game. I'm going to be mid-game seeing what kind of bets I can pick up after the first quarter, after the second quarter. And that's what things like underdog sports really didn't give you the ability to do was in mid-game, you know, throw a parlay together of mid-game because maybe Patrick Mahomes starts the game with 150 passing yards in the first quarter, and now the over-under goes to 370 yards. And the odds of him hitting 370, you take that over, could be a nice payout for you and doing some of those teasers. So... Um, I think it's really a, a fun day for New York State, uh, a fun day for people that enjoy sports betting or people that just enjoy sports. Um, it gives them a little bit more skin in the game of watching a Week 18 Broncos-Kansas City Chiefs game that has virtually nothing on the line other than some seeding for Kansas City. With a win, they're going to secure that number two seed in the AFC. With the loss, it opens things up for A, the Bills, Certainly opens up things for Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is benching, or at least they have mentioned, or have maybe like teased, sitting their primary starters. The Joe Burrows, the Jamar Chases, the Joe Mixons of the world. And if they do that, well boy, does the two seed open up for the Buffalo Bills. Now, I am not watching tonight's game. For, for, it's 4.15, I believe, or 4.25. The Broncos and the Chiefs face off. I am not expecting the Broncos to win. 
at all. Like, what was I listening to? Was it One Bills Live? Did they have... They had somebody on that was talking about the odds of the Broncos actually beating the Chiefs. And they are low. Drew Locke probably playing his last game as a Bronco, as a starter. Um, Pat Shermer probably coaching his last game as the offensive coordinator of the Broncos. It's probably Melvin Gordon's last game as a running back for the Broncos. Trying to think what other... And it's probably Vic Fangio's last game as a Broncos head coach. They just have underwhelmed. They've got players on offense, and he has stood by Pat Shermer and really has not done a lot on the offensive side of the ball with the weapons that they have. Javante Williams is going to be a star in the league, and they have really not done enough to get him involved in the game plan. Cortland Sutton, while... um, Jerry Judy was out, was having a resurgence-type year. They re-signed him to a big contract because of the season he was having, and now Jerry Judy came back. Now no one's getting the ball. Judy, Cortland Sutton, neither of them are getting the ball. So, you know, Vic Fangio's done in Denver more than likely. Does that mean anything for a game like tonight in a Week 18 divisional game? It's a rivalry for the Broncos. The Broncos would probably love nothing more than to knock out Kansas City out of the second seed. But is it viable? I I don't think so, but it could happen. Now, if it happens tonight, you would have to think. Like, you would have to think if you're Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. And this was part of the conversation I was listening to at One Bells Live this week, and it might have been Greg Cosell saying, you know, maybe the smart thing to have done if you're the Bengals is to wait and don't commit to benching your starters because if the Bengals bench their starters, or at least come out and say they're benching their starters, and they don't give reps to Burrow and to Chase in anticipation because you got to get your backup quarterback and your backup players the reps this week in practice to get them set up for success for Sunday. But the, but the Chiefs lose to, tonight. That's a bad play by the Bengals because the Bengals will have the number two seed locked in if they win. Now, who do the Bengals play? Do they play the Steelers to end the season? No, they play the Browns. And no Baker Mayfield, it's probably a good thing. Right? Like, Case Keenum's going to start. It's probably a good thing for the Browns. The Browns are going to be better for it. So, some interesting some interesting stuff there at play this week um, in Week 18. Although the league probably anticipated and wanted more play, you know, win and in scenarios today, um, they're getting some decent seeding opportunities. So there is some stuff at play, but the league added this this 18, the 17th game with anticipation that this Week 18 matchup would have a lot riding on it. So we'll, we'll see if ultimately the league gets what they want. All right, um, Zach has the Granado clip loaded up and ready for me. I want to quickly listen to it, react to it, talk about it for a couple minutes, and then head to break. So, Zach, if you will, let's uh, let's play this Don Granado clip from this would be post-game um, on Wednesday after the 3-2 to loss against the San Jose Sharks. On the coaching side, you'd love to say you, you, you challenged them in between the periods and they responded. You know, like I said, I pointed out Rasmus Dalina to the first period to the rest of the team. And I pointed out what I love watching that guy play. It's fearless. You guys, even in this room, call him out for every damn mistake the guy makes. And he goes out there every game fearless. No hesitation. And that's why he's a hell of a player right now. And that's why he's going to become a better player every day. 
So that's Don Granado. Again, he's talking about Rasmus Dahlin. That is probably – Don is a very stoic guy. Um, that's probably the most animated I've heard him in defense of a player in his time as this team's head coach, both in an interim and full-time basis. This team is struggling. Like, I saw something after their five – after their 5-1-1 one one start, they're like 5-19-1 since. This is a team in a tailspin. But you wouldn't know it. If, if you told me, if you didn't watch all of these games and you were sort of the middle fan right now, which is, yeah, I'll go to a game if they're on TV and nothing else is on, sure, I'll throw the game on. Oh, they're facing Boston. Yeah, sure, I'll throw the Boston game on. You probably, when you watch the games... Wouldn't guess this is a team in a five and nineteen and one like downward spiral, based on how they play. We they're not getting blown out. They're finally starting to get some good goaltending. A, a major portion of this slump that they're in, they were getting the league's worst goaltending from Aaron Dell and you know Dustin Tokarski looked good at times, but also was bad at times. And they haven't had Craig Anderson. And this wheel that had been spinning at the goaltending position has been sort of figured out. And Ukapakalukinen gives up three yes, uh, two nights ago in the first period, but doesn't give up a goal for the rest of the game. He has been very good for them and has earned the right to be this team's full-time starter moving forward. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with Craig Anderson. We know he's been on this on the IR and whether or not he comes back at all this season. We'll probably have something to do about whether or not UPL goes back down to Rochester. I don't believe there are plans for him to go back down to Rochester. Malcolm Subban is fine. I think he's a good primary backup. What you do with Dustin Tokarski, I don't know. Maybe you keep three goaltenders on the roster and scratch one of them every night. That could be a possibility. Maybe you send Tokarski down to the AHL. I don't believe this team's plans are to send Ukapeka Lukinen back down. I don't think they should be. He's getting the valuable experience they want him to get down in the AHL, but at the actual NHL level facing NHL talent, and I think that's important for his growth and development, and I think you want to know, without a reasonable doubt, if he's a guy you can go into next year as a starter, but the Darlene conversation is interesting. The media is hard on Darlene. There's no doubt about it. He is expected a lot of. He's a former number one pick, and it's I think the success of guys like Cal McCarr probably hurt the situation for Rasmus Darlene. And I guess where I stand on Darlene is I still want him to be better than what he's been. But he's, on, I mean, he is the premier player on that blue line. There is not a lot of other great or even good players on the blue line. Don Granado gets more out of this team than any other singular coach would. I believe that. I actually, I, I sincerely believe that this team has gotten more out of what they have talent-wise because of the head coach and no other head coach. I don't care who it is, is coming in here and getting more out of this team. I think he has a true finger on the pulse. I think he has the true respect and admiration of the locker room. Because of that, this team, although it's 5-19-1 or whatever that number is over their last you know, 25 games, there is zero conversation about this coach. There is zero conversation about this team underperforming. At 10 wins, they're probably overperforming. Um, so I, I'm not going to lie. There, I think Darlene has probably earned a lot of, not all of, a lot of the criticism he's gotten from the media and the fans alike. But I got to tell you, I love Granado getting up there and getting fiery in defense of his players. I, that is why he has the buy-in he has. 
It's not the Ralph Kruger effect where we all love Ralph. That's all you ever heard from the players, how much they loved Ralph. He was a terrible coach. And I also would tell you I never heard Ralph Kruger go up there and defend his players. He didn't throw them under the bus, but he certainly didn't defend them. Not like I heard Don Granado defend Rasmus Dahlin the other night. I just... For the first time in a long time, they're not winning, but I feel very good about the Sabres because of the guy at the head coach position. Alex Tuck is a nice player. He's got three games, three points of three games. He's going to get some time to acclimate. I really like what they've got in Peyton Krebs. Devin Levi looks like he could be a star. And if you have Levi and Ukapekalukinen for the next 10 or 15 years, man, you're really going to like what you have because then you're then you're talking about, well, do we... Do you look to flip Eric Portillo? Do you look to flip either UPL or Devin Levi if one is if both of them are great? Man, you have a great situation. Yeah, that means you don't have to rush Devin Levi up, get get, you know, waste a year or two years of his NHL contract. Leave him in Northeastern. I don't know. I, ultimately what what I'm coming through here as in trying to say is I I felt more respect for Don Granado, which I don't know how that's possible. I already respect him a lot. But I felt like I respected him more and appreciated him more hearing him get animated and hear, coming to the defense of a player that he believes is doing everything the player – he believes Rasmus Dahlin's doing everything he's asking of him. And I like that he's coming to his defense, and I like the way that he did it. I, I think it, it play, it's going to play well, really well, in the locker room. All right, Matt Verderama, fan side, he joins me next. We're going to get back to the NFL, talk more Bills, talk some Chiefs. Um, are they back? We'll talk to Matt. That's coming up next here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You know, it's what we do, right? We adjust and not much of a difference. I mean, maybe a little bit and from the 16 to 17 week season a year ago. But, you know, we've tried to adjust just in terms of adjusting the players' schedules to try and take some of the load off of them the last several weeks and, and keep them as fresh as possible down the stretch. That's Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary here. And uh, before we go to the Westher 
hotline to chat with Matt Verderam. Um, I wanted to quickly mention a stat, and most of you guys know this, but um, to just give you an idea of how successful that Josh Allen has been in his first four seasons. He's the first quarterback in NFL history, he's the first player in NFL history, to have 100 passing touchdowns and 30 rushing touchdowns in his first four seasons. And, uh, you know, obviously he has a tough game last week throwing the football in the conditions, but the thing about Josh that um, that has been so good is even in those conditions, he brings the running game and a power run game um, that not a lot of other quarterbacks can bring. All right, let's go to the Wester Hotline now because Matt Verderam, a fan-sided, joins us here on the Wester Hotline. And Matt, um, 100 touchdowns in th- – or 100 passing touchdowns 30 rushing touchdowns I know that you know a guy like Lamar Jackson gets maybe the the nod as like the de facto dual threat quarterback but nobody may do it better at in both arenas like I there's no doubt that Lamar is probably a more dynamic runner than Josh but he scores more touchdowns and Josh is far and away the better passer like are is he probably the best dual-threat quarterback in the league that doesn't really get talked about as the best dual-threat quarterback in the league? Yeah, you could make the case. I think you always think Lamar Jackson because he's just so electrifying. But, yeah, look, Allen is, is as you mentioned, the much better thrower of the ball. I, I look at Josh Allen, and not that I would say he's on this player's level yet, but he reminds me in, in some ways of Steve Young. Mm. Like, Steve Young could kill you from the pocket. He could kill you on the move. He could run for a ton of yardage. And Steve Young did that in a time where not a lot of guys ran. Like, and, and most people think of, you know, Randall Cunningham for that era. Well, Steve Young was a better player than Randall Cunningham. So, um, yes, I think, you know, Allen, Allen's game in some ways, and this player I think is actually a little bit better than, although he won MVP, uh, it's kind of like Steve McNair, mm. where McNair mm. could run you over. Yeah, Like, McNair could take off, and, yeah, he could run for 25 yards, he could also just give you a truck stick and put you three counties over. So, <laughs> you know, I, you know, he actually, in some ways, when I think about it, that that's kind of who he reminds me of. And McNair, I think it's underrated in history, but he was a hell of a player during his career. Yeah, I, it's like if you had Steve Young with, you know, uh, Cam Newton's running style and John Elway's right. arm strength. That's kind of the the like if you and that's the cool thing about Josh Allen, I think too, Matt is like, and I, I I almost would say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes is there's not a true one to one comp. You sort of have to take bits and pieces of great players to add them to be what Mahomes, what Allen are, and that's what I think right now makes the NFL so exciting, particularly the AFC where you have all of these young signal callers. The NFC is aging, and boy, yep. it's going to be. I think we're looking at Matt the next decade of dominance really being on the AFC side of things. And we know we, we kind of came from an era that was dominated um, over the last decade by Brady and Manning and, and Roethlisberger. And now that that era is sort of fading away, you know, there was a couple of NFC slip-ins there um, with a couple of elite quarterbacks play, quarterback play with Rodgers and, and, and Wilson. But, man, Rodgers, Wilson, Brady all in the NFC – they're old as dirt, man. Like, and 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 it, the time is coming for them, and the shift is definitely happening. Twenty-five and younger are these guys in the AFC. How do you imagine this playing out? And before we kind of look at just this season, just over the next decade, where do you see the league sort of going? Or how about this? Where do you see the NFC going to try to match what the AFC is going to have with quarterbacks? Because, like. It takes a little while for these to gr- these guys to grow, and they don't just they you don't snap a finger and get elite quarterback play. Yeah, I see them going to the draft because that's where they're going to have to go because all these teams in the AFC aren't going to let these quarterbacks go. So 
Um, it's funny. I was actually just talking about this a couple of days ago with somebody. That the NFC, you're right. I mean, who are the who are the quarterbacks in the NFC who are in their 20s? Who you're like that guy's a great player, and I think you're you're pretty limited. I mean, maybe maybe Dak if you really like Dak, maybe Dak, um, Kyler Murray, maybe. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the list. Like that's it. So and where you know, I mean, Matt, my question for you is where do Dak and Kyler rank if they if they were in the AFC? That's interesting. Uh, I put them both behind Mahomes. I put them both behind Allen. I put them both behind Herbert. Um, and you right there with I, Burrow, you're wondering like what do you? I was, just, I was just thinking about. But I I I think I'd probably take Joe Burrow. I mean, I probably you can make the argument the other way. I, so I, I'd probably put those guys right around fifth and sixth. And that's, look, that's also not even getting into, you know, all these young kids like Lawrence and, and, and you know, can he turn around? Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson's been pretty rough this year, but can he be better? And also then there's also the question of Deshaun Watson, where obviously right. there's a lot of, of questions there. But, you know, he remains in the AFC, and when he's on the field, he's better than both those guys. Um, you know, so it's – and then there's Lamar Jackson. Well, I, right. I got to be honest. I, I, you know, would I take him over Kyler Murray? Maybe. You know, so the AFC is just loaded. I mean, there are so many guys in that conference that you look at and go, "That guy should win a Super Bowl one day," and that guy should win a Super Bowl one day. I think what's going to be happening is there's going to be somebody who down the line you look at, and go, "God, that guy never got to a Super yeah. Bowl." You know, yep. that guy never won a. You know, he's the Warren Moon of that. Like, how did he never get to a Super Bowl? Well, because. He ran to Allen. He ran to Mahomes. He ran into Burrow. You know, like all, I think that's probably what ends up happening to one of these guys. Where do you stand on the Burrow conversation, by the way, Matt? Because I, I think he's getting, and and I want to, I want to make sure I say this rightfully, a lot of love. Um, but you go back. I think he's got 15 touchdowns of 20 or more yards this year. You look at yeah. the highlights, a lot of them are Jamar Chase taking a slant route, you know, 60 yards, or throwing and he's wide open down the field. A lot of Jamar Chase, that, that's, that's been the theme for them. But Steve Young said something a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Football in, in the pregame, right? And he said something about why the Bills and the Chiefs are probably the teams in better positions in the AFC than the, than the Bengals, even though he believed that Joe Burrow is for real. And he mentioned a word that I loved. And he said the Chiefs and the Bills, particularly the quarterbacks, they've got they've got scar tissue. They the Bills, right? They they are up sixteen to seven in two thousand and nineteen against Houston. They lose that game last year. They get to the AFC Championship game. They lose that game. Mahomes loses in the AFC Championship game. His for you know so like you think about these quarterbacks that got to a certain point and then got knocked right. down a peg and then had to work their way back. And that's what Allen's in the process of doing this year. But he's. You know, four of his first four years, he's been in the playoffs every year. Um, so that's – or his first three of his first four years, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I guess I look at this, Matt, and say, does Burrow have enough scar tissue yet to really be a threat in the AFC this year? No. I, I, and, and not really – for me, it's not the scar tissue as much as it's just their offensive line is hideous. And that, that just doesn't play in the playoffs. I mean, Kansas City, look, they, they were able to overcome that because they're just unbelievable everywhere else. Yeah. And they didn't overcome it. It's a Bowl, right? So um, most teams, if your offensive line's not good, that comes home in the playoffs. It just does. And I thought, look, I, I sat there and Kelly watched Cincinnati and Kansas City last weekend, and that game, it was bizarre in the sense 
Burrow's numbers were unbelievable. And he played very well. Because if you go watch that game, the Chiefs hit him relentlessly all afternoon. I mean, they, they must have hit him a dozen times in that game and hard. Mm-hmm. And he kept coming back. He kept getting up. But a lot of that game, you kind of alluded to earlier, it was really just, hey, the Chiefs are going to put one-on-one with Jamar Chase. We're just going to wail it. Right. And, and Chase, that was one of the greatest exhibitions by a receiver I've ever seen. Like rookie or other. It was just incredible. The Bengals are scary in the sense they have as good a weapons as anybody. Right. They can score. I think Zach Taylor's a good head coach. But I think they're another offseason away mm-hmm. from being on, on Buffalo's level, on Kansas City's level, where you know they need to go find – uh, you know, a couple upgrades defensively, maybe a corner, and then they need to they need to fix their offensive line. They do that, they'll be right there. But I think right now, they're on that second tier for me of teams that you don't necessarily want to see them in the playoffs, but also you you know, if you're an elite contender, you should win the game. I don't know that you'll have the answer to this question. Why didn't, in the same question I would ask uh, uh, a Patriots reporter on why they defended Josh Allen and Isaiah McKenzie the way that they did a couple weeks ago when Josh torched them, what was Spag's deal in not pivoting quicker in that game to a softer zone coverage? I know that's not really what they love to do, but man, Jamar Chase had 280-whatever yards. Like, what the hell? You know, I, I think it was a combination of stubbornness, obviously, but also they try to challenge. Like they, they believe it or not, despite all that, they are the best team in the league since Spags has been there in defending receivers. They take them out of the game a lot of times. It's, it's kind of the way they play, and they believe we're gonna get, we're gonna force you to throw outside the numbers. We're gonna force you to low percentage throws, and over the course of the game. We're going to win more battles than we lose with that. Mm-hmm. You're going to throw a pick. You're going to throw a ball that, that, that you're overthrowing because you feel like you have to get more arm on it, whatever the case may be. And in that game, they just never changed. They believed that eventually Burrow was going to throw a pick. Burrow just wasn't going to be able to fit a ball in. If you watch that game, you're familiar with that game. I mean, the key play in it, everybody, everybody in Kansas City is still screaming about the officiating, which <laughs> that's, a, that's a loser's song. Yeah. Okay. But. That game came down to third and 27 at the end of the game, and the Chiefs singled up Jamar Chase with Charverius Ward, who's their third-best corner. And they put him on there in an island. And i got to be fair. The Chiefs run all out blitz. In fact, all was crazy, but that's what they did. They hit him immediately. I mean, they got home. The blitz got there. Burrow threw up a prayer, and Chase did what Chase had done all afternoon, and made just an unbelievable catch down the sideline for 30 yards. That ends up being the game. Like, I understand why the Chiefs did what they did. That being said, I think if they see Cincinnati in the playoffs... Oh, it's going to be way different. There will be a yeah. much different uh, style of attack in that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Matt. And Matt Verderam here, fan-sided on the Wester hotline, joining me, talking some NFL storylines. We'll get into some more Bills and Chiefs talk here in just a minute um, because I want to ask you a little bit about the worst-case scenario that is obviously played out in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, Matt, and... and I think if you asked me preseason, what would be the worst possible thing to happen? And I would have told you Baker Mayfield sustaining an injury that didn't keep him out, but didn't give the Browns an opportunity to fairly evaluate him. Now we hear he's going to, he's not playing on Sunday. Uh, he's going right. to be getting surgery and his season's effectively over. And also he's going to request a trade this off season. How do you see this playing out for both the Browns and for Baker Mayfield moving forward? 
Well, he's gone out and denied that that story was accurate, which maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Mary Kay Cabot, I believe, is the one to report it. Mary Kay Cabot has been a reporter for a very long time in this league, so I'll take her word on it. Yep. Um, look, if that is true, that's, and I think I tweeted this, that, that's a lot of energy of, like, you're not going to break up with me. Yeah. I'm going to break up with you. <laughs> like that, that's kind of where that's headed, isn't it? Like, this exactly idea that Baker Mayfield yeah. needs more support in Cleveland or he's out. Where else? Like, where are you going? Yeah, that—that's to me. Look, I, I've had a lot of conversations about some of the past week. Where, like, everybody keeps saying, "Well, they're, they're going to move on. They're going to move on," and it makes for a great talking point on like first take. But who are they going to get? What are they going to do? Like, they—they they have him for a fifth-year option, which is, by the way, what's going to happen. He's just going to play on it. Like, I don't know where else. They're not trading for Aaron Rodgers. That's not happening. I think Rodgers will be back in the Bay next year. They're, they're not going to get Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Like, nope. Deshaun Watson's no trade clause. And Wilson's not. You think Sierra and Wilson want to go to Cleveland? Like, let's just be real. I'm not knocking Cleveland, but it's not New York. It's not Miami. Like, he doesn't want to go. They, they are going to have to probably draft a guy. Well, I've talked to a million people around the league in the last two months who have all said the same thing. There's no quarterback in this draft class worthy of a first-round pick. Now, somebody will get taken in the first round because it's a quarterback, and those guys just shoot up the board because of necessity. But I just think if you're the Browns, like, what, what else are you going to do? I mean, unless, unless something happens and they just get really fortunate and somebody just drops in their lap, and then with Mayfield, what is his trade value? Who, who wants Baker Mayfield right now? I, they, they are, I think – as much as it's not enviable, they're in a position where they're going to have to play it out. They're going to have to hope he bounces back. And if he doesn't bounce back, then you move on after next year and you hope the draft class is better. But right now, I think he's back there next year. And I think because of it, you kind of look at Cleveland and go, yeah, they're good. They're fine. They're talented. But they're not really a threat. You know, though, I, I think it's it's probably worth mentioning the desperation that there will be this offseason for starting quarterback play. And $18 million for a former number one pick – and you know, Matt, how head coaches and offensive coordinators are in this league. Oh, I'll fix that guy. Uh, yo, just get him in my program. I'll fix that guy. Cool. That's that's what gets coaches' jobs lost, by the way. But, like, the yeah. one the one place, Matt, actually there's two places. Now, one of them, they're going to need to figure out what they're doing with their quarterback, Atlanta, because um, he's got a big cap hit. I'm not sure they'll be able to get out from under that. But yep. I wouldn't discredit or discount the Washington football team saying – He's better than Tyler Haneke, and he's cost eighteen million dollars. And we have a team we believe, when we're healthy, is a contending team in the NFC or at least in the NFC East. Like that could be a team that says, "I'm all in on Baker Mayfield." But I agree with you. The sense of like his value has never been lower. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right, and Washington is interesting. Um, but again, like Cleveland, that has to. Who's better than Baker Mayfield to bring in? Like this is always the argument I'll have. When fans, well, like early in the year, like Kansas City fans are tweeting, like, fire Spagnuolo. It's like, okay, who's coming in? Right, right. Who are you, you know, like, who are you replacing the guy with? And, you know, it, it just it, it becomes a question of if you're the Browns. Like, I don't know that there is a guy out there. I don't know. You know you're going to go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo? I think there's yeah. one, Matt. I think there's one guy. Cousins? Yeah, and I think, and I think you know, he's it would be a hefty price uh, that you'd be money. acquiring. Yeah. That's right. But if you're the Browns and you could trade Baker Mayfield, 
you would have the space to do it. And if you're Stefanski, you are thinking, give me Kirk Cousins and I can win a Super Bowl here. That's what he's thinking. Now, I don't agree with him, but that's what he's thinking. Right, and that's the thing, though. Like, okay, you're in Buffalo. If Kirk Cousins comes to Mm -hmm. Buffalo in a playoff game. Nope. (laughs) Are you quaking in your boots? I mean, nobody is. If Kirk Cousins goes to Arrowhead, he's not winning. I don't. I don't care who's around him. What's like? It's a. I mean, I remember years ago watching Kirk Cousins go to Arrowhead and play Matt Moore, and the Chiefs beat them. Like, it was just. It didn't matter. Um, but you know, some the points will take. And Stefanski has history with him in Minnesota. I mean, that, all that's true. I just think you know, it's like the old Oakland's razor. What is the most likely outcome? The most likely outcome is he's back next year, and they try to make it work, and then you go from there. But if you have a year like you had this year, if he does, he's gone. He has a year like you have last year. Then you got to tie. I'm also interested to see what happens in Baltimore, not to take a left turn. But You're right, they though. fell apart this year. Yep. But completely fell apart. Jackson had a great start to the year. We actually talked about it way back in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And then he just went off the face of the earth. And then Tyler Huntley comes in. And Huntley's not great, but there's really no difference in the offense. Nope. Like, they kind of just operate the same way. So, I mean, look, I think they're going to pay him, but they're. There's at least, like, I think a little bit of a curiosity. Should they? Should they give him $45 million a year? It's interesting. I think it's super interesting. Yeah, like, that, that'll be another thing this offseason. Because if you don't take care of him this offseason, you are, you are risking, I think, too much if you're the Ravens. Because he has an MVP-level season. He's getting $55 million. Um, and if he, yep. t- if he craps the bed... Um, then you're in an even tougher spot because he's got no real value if you want to try to tag and trade him. So, yeah, I mean, they, there's a lot of scenarios that I'd be really worried about if you're the Ravens. He's also interesting in the sense he does not have an agent. He represents him. Right. Yep. And so that, that's another wrinkle in this. And they – look, they're going to have to make decisions because that roster is starting to fall apart a little bit. Yep. Like, they – they're, they're aging, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're right. I mean, they're older. It's not a great roster. Like that team, they've got a lot of decisions to make. And if you pay him that kind of money, look, the Bills paid it to Allen. The Holmes got it in KC. We've seen it with some other young quarterbacks. Like, if you pay a guy that much money, that guy better be the kind of guy that when the roster's not unbelievable around them, yep. it's just merely maybe good, that guy can elevate them to great. If, that, if he can't do that, then you, you should not pay him that kind of money because you're going to have to rely on really good drafting when you're paying a quarterback 20% of your salary cap. That's just reality. And I don't, the, the Ravens, that's going to be very interesting. If they don't sign him this offseason, that is a huge shot across the bow at him. Oh, there's no and doubt I, about that. I, 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 think, I think they'll pay him. I do. But I do think it's interesting to monitor. Yeah, watching that, how that plays out. And I think it's going to be over the next couple of months how how the yep. narrative around it starts. And whether it's the national media or the local media in Baltimore, I, I will have my ear to the ground. There's no doubt about that. Matt, tell the folks what you got going on here content-wise going into the playoffs. Oh, there's plenty. Uh, Sack the Box podcast. You can find it anywhere on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all that. Covers the whole league. We do it live on YouTube every Tuesday as well. Uh, Sack the Box.com. It goes up Monday. I pick all the games on Thursday. And then there's always there's always a million things going on on Twitter. So if all else fails, just follow me there. I always tweet out all my stuff. And, and I do spaces and shows and all the rest of it. So. 
Well, ways to, uh, to get all that content. And you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Verderam. It's V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E. Matt, as always, man, always appreciate you giving us time. Enjoy your uh, your weekend and the games this evening and tomorrow. And uh, we'll be chatting, I'm sure, once the uh, once the playoffs get underway, buddy. Hey, sounds great. Enjoy it. Awesome. Happy New Year to you as well, Matt. Matt Verderam there on the Wester Hotline from Fansided. i got to take a timeout. I'll get another break in throughout that as well. And then Elena Getzenberg of ESPN joins us at noon here on WGR. My good buddy, Marcel-Louis Jacques, just quote-tweeted this tweet. In 2020, a man in the Philippines strolled into his garage and was greeted by this, quote, human-sized bat waiting for him. Flying foxes have a wingspan of almost six feet and are the largest bats in the world. No. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. No. That, if I saw that, can I tell you what I would have done, Zach? I, I kind of want to hear what you would have done. I, I honestly, last night, my power went out right before my podcast started. So I had to go downstairs in the basement in the dark to flip on my breakers, my breaker box. I almost broke my toe running back upstairs because I, I just don't like dark places as it is. That? A six-foot wingspan? Human-sized? Mm-mm. All right. Other side, Elena Getzenberg of ESPN joins us here on the Western Hotline on Sports Talk Saturday. That's coming up next year on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.